Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Buccaneers football is back, but that means it's the hottest time of the year for us Floridians. If you're planning on going to any of the games this year, make sure you check out our friends at Cool Towel. It's an all-natural, instant cooling towel. No water, no refrigeration, no prep of any kind is needed before use. Just take it out of the bag, shake it up, and it's good to go. Best of all, you can use it again when you're done with the resealable pouch. Make sure you check them out online at cooltowel.com, and when you place your order, tell them Red sent you. Understand that this is the 2018 Bucks. You know, it's a whole different vibe, whole different energy. You know, it's like, ah, oh, you know what I mean? You can, you can smile a little bit, you know? And since I got here, man, we just been grinding. And guys got the same exact goal, man, and just coming together as a team. Here's. Leroy's after it. Sad by Gerald McCoy. And Williams fires over the middle of Giles. Open 40. It's a foot race. O.J. Howard, touchdown Tampa Bay. I'll start up the gut. He goes to the end zone. Inside the 2-1, touchdown Tampa Bay. It's intercepted at the 10. Going coast to coast. High free 2 one touchdown Brent Ryan. Yeah, those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 40. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. One Alexander will take it to the house. Let me just go on record here and say that I do not trust Chandler Catanzaro anymore. I don't trust him. I, I don't think there's a better option out there right now at the kicker position for the Bucks. Obviously, that's one of the lower things that we have to worry about. But I just want to go on record and say that I don't trust the guy. Is he a bad kicker? No. He won the game for us on Sunday. Bucks are three and three right now. But I don't. I, I don't. I don't trust him from here on from here on out. I just wanted to make that clear. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast here today for episode 37 on YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play. I am your host, the Bias Buck fan Rhett, joined alongside me as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football Evan. And uh crazy game on Sunday. I don't know if I've had anything make me feel the way that that game made me feel on Sunday. Uh, but the Bucks are 3-3. Three and three. How you feeling, Evan? Well, I mean, when you said crazy, I mean, yeah. It's <laughs> for, for, for some of the – I mean, I had asked my dad after the game. I was like, was that like the crazy I, – I used the word crazy. I said, was that like the craziest game you ever watched for, as a Bucks fan? And he was like, you know – if I went and looked back and just thought about every game that I've watched, he said, I'm sure I've seen much crazier. Um, but for me, it was definitely the craziest game I've ever seen as a Bucks fan. And definitely had its ups and downs is, what I, is, the, is the short <laughs> word, short way of putting it. 
Yeah, and this is a team where coming into the first half of this game, we saw so much more than we did the week before um, uh, against Atlanta. And, you know, it's just one of those games I wanted it. It felt like it wasn't going to end. It just felt like it kept going and kept dragging on. And the phrase that I've heard is that it really came down to which team wanted to lose that game more. And I don't know if I want to agree with that statement 100%, but that's really what it looked like. Because, I mean, this game wrapped up with maybe a little over a minute left in overtime. I mean, we had played the course of five quarters of football. And Chandler Catanzaro, as I had mentioned before, a 59-yard field goal. His career long was a 60-yard field goal and a 59-yard field goal to win the game. And also broke the record for the longest game winner in overtime history. So that's kind of dope. But I went on record to say that I don't trust Chandler Catanzaro anymore because he missed an extra point right at the beginning of the game, which causes us, of course, to be chasing points that were missed at the beginning of the game, just like we did against Atlanta, which if I can be real here, ultimately lost us the game against Atlanta. So we're chasing extra points, and then the Bucks are in a position. Three seconds left on the clock. Chandler Catanzaro, I don't remember where he was. I don't remember, I want to say it was a 40-yard attempt for a game winner. And he, he shanked it. And I mean, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't like a Nick Folk miss. But it was enough of a miss to where I just it didn't go through the, the poles. It, yeah, it didn't go through the uprights. That's the most important part. And the fact that it was the game winner. And it's crazy because I was watching it uh, with a large group of people around and I kept calling it. I'm like, he's going to miss it. I'm like, we're going to lose this game. He, he's going to miss it here. We're going to go to overtime and we're going to lose on the first drive of overtime because that's what I'm used to. And so... Ultimately, Chandler Catanzaro misses the game winner. The Bucks do go to overtime. And once we went to overtime, that was it. I was like, all right, we're going to lose. Because we've seen this situation so many times before from this Bucks team. Not only blowing a lead and letting a team come back, but letting a team like the Browns come back, force overtime, which the Browns are experts at it at this point. I had seen this situation before. You had seen this situation before. And... I knew the Bucks were going to lose. Everybody had said that the Bucks were... Well, I know some people had said that the Bucks were going to lose. I was one of them, and the Bucks held on and won in a hell of an overtime thriller, but there was a lot yeah. of ugly in that game, if we can be frank here. Yeah, and I mean, I got, a, I got a lot of flack. I got a lot of flack, and I think you know why. I, I basically had just said one... I kept saying one sentence each time for, like, probably the last half hour, 45 minutes of that game. All I said was... You all know how this ends. Yeah. We've seen it before. It's a situation that this Buccaneers football team puts themselves in time and time again. We literally watched it happen against Atlanta. It came down to the last play because we were chasing points from a team ultimately shooting themselves in the foot, which is something I wanted to discuss. Well, I mean, first off, I mean, okay, Catanzaro. Catanzaro's got to make the kick, right? Yeah. But... Not, I don't only blame Kenton Zoro. I blame Dirk Cutter. Because that, that was dumb. Okay? L let me point this out for you, for the guy, for the people who may not know what exactly, how they got to that field goal. Okay, so they were driving down, and they had a, a decent drive. Uh, James Winston threw a pass to Cameron Brate, which got him pretty much into field goal range. Oh, I think and, I know uh, where this is going. They were good. 
and then they let the clock run and run, and then did a running play with Jaquiz Rogers, which was fine. I didn't really have a problem with that. Low risk. I was fine with that. But then you let the clock run and run and run. Jaquiz Rogers only got two or three yards. He he didn't get ten yards. So you let the clock run all the way down and then have Winston place the ball where Catanzaro wants it. That's all fine and dandy. But when there was 25 seconds left and you only run two plays and you had – you had one timeout, and there was 25 seconds left. You run two plays. Come on. And this wasn't – Are you like? Are you kidding me? Let me add on that this wasn't a team who had trouble moving the ball at all. Like, I, I don't think oh, no. that, that was a concern. Obviously, it's a scary situation if you're going to pass the ball with the clock running down that late. But they set a franchise record for first downs on Sunday, so it wasn't like they had a problem getting the ball as close to the end zone as they could have possibly needed it. And running yeah. plays efficiently is exactly what they were able to do on Sunday. But I mean, who knows? Who, who knows? You know, if you if you get that, maybe just, if you run to Chris Rogers again, you know, it's a thirty-four yard field goal or something. He could have made it. It's you know, right. you never you never know. Which is, I don't believe that's basically a give up to me. Yeah, and you have I, faith in a kicker that hasn't shown much yet, and that that's wrong. Yeah. Now. There are some things that needed to be fixed from this game, and there are some things that were good from this game, and we're going to talk about those in a little bit, uh, little bit later, but let's get all the bad stuff out of the way first. I wanted to talk about shooting yourself in the foot, because between the Browns and the Bucks this game, I think we saw plenty of it Holy from crap. these two teams. And if we're, starting, <laughs> if we're starting right from the top, the first Buccaneers offensive possession is a safety for the Browns. It was a great punt. Special teams play, able to down it at the one-yard line. And oh, then, by the way, that's another thing, Dark Cutter. Why is Adam Humphreys out there and Deshaun Jackson isn't on every single punt return? It, Humphreys yeah. didn't show me anything. And you know what? I mean, Speaking of Deshaun he, Jackson, he had a chance. Humphreys had a chance on that one that was pinned at the one-yard line and just let it go. Yeah. Well, speaking of Deshaun Jackson... We saw that Deshaun Jackson end around ultimately give us points, and I, I just was wanted to take a little you. throwback yeah, to last season, you. man. They calling for that play for over a year now, and it finally got us points. So it's good to see because every time they've run it, I don't want to say every time, but I'd say about sixty-five percent of the time they run that play, it ultimately ends up being positive. But anyways, back to the Bucks' first offensive possession. They start half a distance to the goal line, first down. It's a handoff. Doesn't go anywhere. I thought it was a safety right off of the uh, right off of the bat. First play doesn't go anywhere. Second play, you run a play action, but I want to say it was Riley Allclair jumps off sides or a false start. Yep, yeah, it was. Yep, it was Anthony Allclair. Yeah. Okay, not Riley. Excuse me. Brings him back a couple of inches. And I, I'm gonna be 100% honest with you. Had he not drawn that flag. I feel like that play action would have worked. But third down, we saw them run it again. And if we want to talk about, you know, I've heard some people say that this play calling that close to the end zone was very dirt cutterish. I've heard that tossed around from a couple of other uh, Bucks podcasters. But, I mean, that's exactly what you don't want to do in a situation like that. Now, obviously, the Auclair flag is... Something that can be fixed, but I think that safety ultimately was something that shouldn't have happened. I think they could have been a little bit, a little bit better in that situation. I think they could have been smarter there. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. 
I don't know. A lot of people are saying that they think Dirk Cutter's taking over play calling, and I, I think he has to some extent. Not not fully, but I think to some extent he has. Um, just because of how the offense has looked. Maybe Dirk Cutter think, was thinking, all right, Munkin, you know, as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback, you can you can call plays. And when Sheamus is back, I can call plays. But, I mean, it sounds like Munkin's still calling some plays, but I think Cutter definitely has more say now than he did in the first three weeks or so. Yeah. And something I wanted to reference on the topic of shooting yourself in the foot, um, what we saw from the Cleveland Browns, is exactly the issue that we had seen from the Bucks time and time again. You got to lay off the penalties. I mean, there were three plus mm-hmm. times on Sunday that the Browns gave up third down stops from penalties, and I mean, it helps us out. But I just kind of wanted to make a comparison because I remember years ago when I first started watching Bucks ball, and even up until 2015, that was a huge, huge topic was just shooting yourself in the foot with penalties. And I'll go on record and say this, that if the Browns didn't do so bad with penalties, they would have won that game. There is yep. no doubt in my mind that if the Browns did not get so many flags in such a short period of time, they would have won that football game. Um, but looking at what the Bucks weren't able to do, obviously they didn't get as many penalties, they didn't draw as many flags, and that helps out. But you got to protect the ball. Uh, I mean, everything else looked pretty okay with this Bucks team, and we're going to kind of transition to that after this last point, but the Bucks gave up the ball three times. Or I, I believe more than that, actually. But you've got a Jameis pick. Four. Four, because Four. Jameis threw two picks. Jameis threw two interceptions, and they fumbled the ball twice. Two fumbles from good defensive plays. I'll say that too. The fumbles, yeah, but were good they still defensive can't plays. Happen. They can't happen. They can't happen, regardless. But just to throw that out there, they were good defensive plays, and and, and um, the timing of them couldn't have been worse. Um, yeah, I mean each each turnover came at just at just the worst time. Yeah, one of the biggest topics heading into this game was if the Bucks are going to win, they're going to have to win the turnover battle, and that's in any game. But. You know, winning the turnover battle, that translates to points and can ultimately win or lose you the football game. Uh, the Bucks really got to get better with that because we have just learned to sacrifice the ball too much, and it has not been good. <laughs> it really hasn't. Yeah. Um, Winston needs to take care of the football. It's it's simple. He I'm, He's not going to win much if he doesn't take care of the football. I know the defense needs to be better. Obviously, the defense did make a lot of strides this week, but I mean, it still needs improvement, needs to need improvement early in the season, but for, you can't have four turnovers. And obviously, two of them are on Winston. Two of them aren't, because Donovan Smith got absolutely obliterated by Miles Garrett. Um, and then, you know, that caused oh, a sack, was... sack fumble, and then Cameron Bray just, just simply lost the ball, got it popped out. I don't remember uh, but, his name, and I should because they were calling it all day. But number ninety on that Browns defensive line, you know who I'm talking Emmanuel about? Emmanuel Agba. Emmanuel Agba. He yeah. had himself a day. I got yeah, so irritated every time they called couldn't him. Couldn't contain him. Um, I mean, the Browns of talent. I mean, yeah. You know, um, they they're actually. I think they're a pretty good football team. It's just the the penalties are absolutely killing them. Um, and I mean, it is what it is. I mean, they're a young team. That's that's what's going to happen, but um, yeah, it can't happen. Uh, the 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 film 
Home will show, actually, you know, Cutter had mentioned in his press conference yesterday that the, the first interception was on Winston was just a bad read and a bad throw, but the second one wasn't. He said that uh, someone ran the wrong route, and it turned out that on, some, at, on film that the someone he's talking about was Ronald Jones. So apparently, on that second interception in overtime, Ronald Jones was supposed to sort of curl and, and not go out to the sideline, and he went out to the sideline Basically instead. ran the flat. Jameis was anticipating him to curl. Uh, the rush was coming, and Jameis just threw it and landed right in the hands of the Browns defender. But, I mean, that wasn't the only bad decision Winston made. I mean, those sacks he took in, the, the first sack he took in overtime, that, that, that's dumb. I mean, yeah. that's just straight dumb. And so, so here's, here's what I want to ask. Because we had brought up the turnovers, and at this point, I I, I have to believe um, I have to believe that whether you love Jameis Winston or you hate Jameis Winston, you have to agree that the guy is a turnover machine at this point. Since he has come back over the course of three games, two and a half games, he's thrown five touchdowns and six interceptions. Now he did scramble for a touchdown against the Browns, but other than that, he didn't get any through the air. He threw two interceptions. And 365 yards. Now, I had said that if Jameis comes back, I said this a couple of weeks ago, I said if Jameis comes back and throws three touchdowns and two interceptions, and he's not the reason we win or lose or whatever, then I would be a little bit worried. But here we are, three weeks in a row, Jameis has thrown two interceptions. Obviously, some of them have not been his fault. But do you start to get worried? Like it, it worried, yeah. worried in the I'll, sense I'll, that I'll, he's got to make something happen quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean he's going to be here next year, but I mean I don't know if you give a long term option to him. I mean they they've already picked up his fifth year option. He's due twenty million dollars. He's going to be here next year, um, which I actually think I don't know if I'm going to say it just yet, but I think the Bucks have Ooh. plans to see Winston next year in a little bit of a different situation, but. Um, hmm. you know it's we got to see how the, the season plays out. He's always played like that, you know. Um, yeah, but he needs yeah, it, it needs to be reduced. It, it it can't happen. And you know, honestly though, if you look at Winston, he didn't play. You know, everybody's saying, "Oh my God, he played so bad." He didn't play bad. He didn't play great by any means, but he didn't play horrible. No. And if you honestly. If Catanzaro does his job and makes the 40-yarder, Jameis doesn't throw the second interception. And Jameis doesn't take that bad sack. Those two things don't happen. Right. So, I mean, it, it's not as bad if somebody else does their job. Because, I mean, Jameis let him down on that drive to kick the field goal, and the freaking kicker misses it. So, yeah, he was... He wasn't the greatest, but I mean, he wasn't the worst either. I've seen him. I've seen him much worse. Um, there's been there's been many more games where he's been worse, in my opinion. But I mean, yeah, he's got to take care of the ball. If if he doesn't take care, if he continues to you know two turnovers a game, he'll be here next year. But don't count on that after that. I mean, they'll right. be looking elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and I, because, I don't. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, I hate I hate I hate to say it because I mean, he he loves the game and stuff. He's a fan favorite, but at some point. You got to say, you know, yeah. And like I said, I think there are some plans for a different situation next year, and I think that's Winston's last shot. Yikes. 
Well, I, I don't want to sit here and bash everything that the Bucks did on the field because, like we had said earlier, no, there won. was a lot. There was so. a lot good. They won. They won the game ultimately. A, a wins, a wins, a win. And the Bucks are That's three and three. That's what I tweeted. That's what I tweeted. That. <laughs> a wins, a win, and the Bucks were able to do a lot of good. And let me let me focus in particular on that first half team. I mean, this is what we've been waiting to see from this Bucks team for three straight weeks. Well, you know, the, from the offense, Bucks defense. Well, I mean, yeah, the offense looks great. The defense mm-hmm. looks better, and yeah. it's a it's a nice balanced attack. And the thing with the defense that I've heard a lot of people say as well is that there weren't a whole lot of moments in this game where the defense looked lost. Like, no. you know, after firing Mike Smith. We knew this team wasn't changing the scheme drastically. But one of the things that I heard them do is they went out of their way to streamline this defense for the younger guys. So Simplify. Yeah. Exactly. So so far, that translates really well. Um, this defense played to their potential. Nobody really looked lost. I mean, there were very few communication errors and no huge blown coverages that I could remember. Now, obviously, second half rolls around. It's a different ball game. There were... You know, times where Cleveland had figured this defense out and they were able to make some plays, but ultimately, this was a much better defense than we saw in the field against Atlanta. And these guys went out there and did their job. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to really bring Winston and the turnovers up again, but <laughs> any, any anybody notice that the Bucks mom everything that the Bucks had going for him basically disappeared after that Winston interception, the yeah. first one. Yeah. Um. I mean. It seemed like the Bucks were moving the ball well. The defense was stopping them. And after that interception, it just, at least for the offense, the, the defense still had a pretty good rest of the first half. Um, but, I mean, as for the offense, they couldn't get nothing going. Yeah. So, I mean, and then it's all about context, man. It really is. It's all about context. The the Bucks offense gets the ball to start the second half, second play, sack, fumble. You know, defense has to go back out, back out there again. They allow a touchdown. Right, that's a short field already. Um, in late in the fourth quarter, when the Browns were able to tie it up to Bill Peppers, they just had that great fourth uh, that goal line stand, and then Bill Peppers returns it all the way down to the sixteen after the offense goes three and out. They're like that, that can't happen, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the win was definitely. On the defense, that they played great, and I think uh, two players played especially great. And I oh. think you want to talk about them. Oh yeah, um, man. To JPP, JPP and Carl Nassib. We need to just dedicate a damn segment of the show to these guys because every single week I find myself watching a play or watching back on the film from after the af- uh, from after the game the next day, and I just I, I take a look at what these guys are able to do on that defensive lane, and I literally go, wow. Because these are talented players. I mean, Carl Nassib with the great motor as always, and, and JPP piling on the sacks. You know, JPP, he was able to grab a should have had. He should have had probably three. Yeah. Yeah, he was in a position to get multiple sacks. He, he got one. But right now he has six on the season. Now he is on pace to get ten. And I want to say the last Bucks defensive end to get ten sacks was Simeon Rice. Am I wrong? No. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. 10, 11 years ago, Simeon Rice was the last player to get 10 sacks. So right now, JPP's on pace for that. So, And and one of the things we had talked about coming into this Cleveland game was that Gerald McCoy is going to be out. So this is going to be 
a lot of pressure on your interior guys like Vita Vea and Will Golston, whoever they plugged into there. And they went out there and performed well. I want to say they, was it five total sacks on the day? It was four or five. Five, yeah. Five. And and this is a team where sacks were the biggest concern last year. They went out there and put five up on the board. They had nine heading into this game. Yeah. Now you're and they, they a had a little bit better standing for the season, but they had 22 all last year. So yeah. And Carl Nassib, man, there was that one play. Oh, Carl Nassib revenge game. Oh my God. Well, he had he had the uh, he had the game saving sack. Okay. Yeah. Pretty not, much. Let's not let's yeah. not overshadow that. He had two, two sacks. sacks that game. Two sacks. Yeah. He had two sacks, and then there was that one play where he dropped back into man coverage with a wide Dude. receiver and literally just played corner at six foot three and was able to get a hand on the ball. That was a hell of it was a play. With, it was with it was with Duke Johnson, I think. It was the running back. Because he they had him go on like a little wheel route outside. And I mean, that's that's better coverage than Brent Grimes has played all, all year. <laughs> now there was that one play with Brent Grimes that I had texted you and we had talked about what was said. And I agreed with yeah, you. Yeah, we're I not. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, don't get too much into it. But basically, <laughs> some things could be better. Basically. Yeah, I think we could see a little bit better of a Brent Grimes at this period in time. But the overall message but, here I mean, is that he the Bucks defense—he was decent. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he had his moments. But the overall message here, and the biggest takeaway for me, is that the Bucks defense is just—it's—it. It, I don't want to say fixed, but it damn sure looks like it. It looks it's good. better. It's much better. And I believe with that defense on the field, you can beat a little bit more teams the rest of the season. And that's exactly what we need because now we're in a situation where you only have nine games or uh not yeah, nine games left. Yeah. And um you, you need that defense to stay strong. Now, one of the suckier takeaways from Sunday, um, this ACL tear with Quan Alexander. Uh, this this really sucks, man. I mean, contract negotiations. He goes down with a torn ACL. He's out for the season. And what sucks about this, he was having a career day before he went down. He was all over the place. Yeah, man. He had a couple of big field. run stuffs. I think he had like five tackles and a quarter and a half. Yep. He was having a hell of a day. Now And it was that it was that Basically, the defense's last play of the first half, I believe. Yeah. That was it. Because that was the fourth and two that the Browns went for, and they sent Duffner, sent a linebacker blitz, and Quan absolutely flew through there. Mayfield was able to avoid it, and Quan just landed wrong. Yeah. And it really sucks because, you know, a possibility that I've seen tossed around, he's in contract talks. Do you think. That was his last game in a Bucks uniform. Uh, no, um, I don't know. I don't have any clue what his contract's going to look like now. Or well, I mean, there is no fifth-year option. There's, there's no, there's only fifth-year options available with first-round picks. So you, you can't do that. Um, so I have no idea what his contract's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be for one year. Like I, I've been telling people, it could be for one year. It could be for five years. Um, it could be for six million. It could be for eight million. I would offer him a long-term deal, but I mean, he was going to get close to like ten. I'm not offering him no more than seven and a half. And and I I I said this to to other to other Bucks pages, and and you know, 
you might have been you might have seen that and they had said well, why you know Quan Alexander is good but Quan Alexander is very inconsistent and now he's coming off a major injury I don't know if I want to spend 10 million dollars over five six years on a guy who's inconsistent as is and is coming off one of the worst injuries to have it's a big risk right now there is no there there is no doubting here though that with Quan Alexander in the middle linebacker position you are looking Dirk Cutter said it himself you are looking at the heart and soul of that defense I mean when you talk about passion of all the guys on the team the first person that comes to mind is always going to be Quan Alexander because yes mm -hmm. after some games he'll make a tackle that doesn't mean anything and he'll pound his chest you know that can rub some people the wrong way. But you can't ignore the fact that this guy is just, he's got a love for his team, and he has really come into a vocal role of leading that defense and calling the plays and things like that. So, yeah, well, I mean, and you notice the difference with that defense, and I yeah. hope that it, uh, it definitely, I hope that doesn't continue because once Quan went out, like that was the last defensive play for half, and the second half the defense was the same. So I hope yeah. that's not a trend. But Red, I have, I have to inform you that some help was on the way on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, all right, all right. fill me. He's a, he's a he's a player that went to LSU. Yeah, and he plays on defense. Okay, and he played for the Arizona Cardinals recently. Okay, did he and the want out of his contract? Got, and, and they and they just got him, Red. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Minter. Kevin Minter. They got him. At the linebacker yeah. position. You mean the Kevin Minter, the former uh, yeah. Cincinnati yeah. Who, Bengals. Who else, who else was I thinking of? Who else were you thinking? I, I, I was thinking of the Kevin Minter the whole time. Who else from Arizona could the Bucks possibly use for defensive help? I mean, come on now. I don't know. Who went? Who is playing for the Cardinals right now and went to LSU and plays on the defensive side of the ball? Well, not Kevin know. Minter anymore because he plays for the Bucks. Exactly. But... <laughs> I don't know. We've right. still got time. We've still got time. Well, We've got seven days. Seven days. But, I mean, I don't know why he needs seven days when he's already a member. So maybe seven days until he gets playing, but I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, the Buccaneers able to sign uh, a couple of guys back. Joe Dirt's back, and I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah. I, I really am. They were yeah, because Jack Sitchie, unfortunately – yeah, ACL Jack, as well. Jack uh, I as feel well bad for him. Season. That's that's two that's two torn ACLs in two years for Sitchy. So, oh yikes, that's rough. Um, but yeah, Joe Dirt's back and Kevin Minter signed there uh, to help out the middle linebacker position, and then we've also got Kendall Beckwith coming back. Now, I had seen that soon. Yeah, soon. I had seen it was his first day eligible for practice, and he wasn't able to show up. No, yeah, it, it, it's going to be. So I would say, I would say maybe next week. He might start practicing, um, and then I think maybe play week either week ten or week eleven. It's gonna be it's gonna be some time, um, just because I mean you know not I mean this dude I think missed the the OTA program as well, so he's got uh, he's got a lot of work to do. But yeah, he'll be coming back, and I know everybody's probably like right now is that little tease. Um, the other <laughs> player that went to LSU. And plays for the Cardinals and plays the defensive side of the ball. Patrick Peterson, um, 
There's been some rumors that he wants out of Arizona. Uh, I've made some some reaching out to people, I guess you could say. Made some texts, I guess. Um, right now, there's nothing on the Buck side that I know of. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more that goes on that these insiders don't know about. You know, like... I mean, just because, I mean, they're probably all 32 teams right now are probably making calls about somebody, well, whether the Bucks are planning on giving away somebody or planning to to get somebody. All these players are, are making calls, but I'm told right now that the Bucks aren't really in on it. So Yeah, and I, last I had read up on it was the Jets had made a call to Arizona, and basically what I had taken from it is that it's going to bar a miracle if you're trying to get Patrick Peterson out of Arizona because they just – yeah, they, because want they don't much. want to. They don't. They don't want to. Yeah. They, well, they don't want to get rid of him. That's why. Right. Uh, Peter. The original. A lot of teams. A lot of fans had really gotten excited when it was rumored that Patrick Peterson said he wants out, and that he wants to get traded before the trade deadline. And then we had about an hour or so of just Bucks, Steelers, Eagles, Patriots, Texans. Um, I see. I saw Browns. I think I saw like a bunch of these these pages, just you know, requesting to get him. And you know, if he does end up getting traded, and it's for like a first round pick this year and like a third round pick next year or something, that's it. That's pitiful on on the Bucks part because yeah. I the Bucks need to do that. Um, now, I mean, reminder that. Jason Light is friends with Steve Kime, Arizona general manager, and Jason Light came from Arizona. So we'll see. Right now, I'm not hearing anything. Uh, I don't think Peterson has traded at this point, just because. I mean, and now you're hearing the Eagles are looking, starting to look at different players. Uh, the Patriots as well. Two teams that were in on Patrick Peterson. Uh, the Saints acquired Eli Apple today, so I don't think he's going to be traded. Um, but I mean, I think the Bucks. I tweeted this like an hour before the show started. This game is big for the Bucks, and I'm not really going to talk about the trade deadline much here because we can talk about that next Monday when we record because the trade deadline is one week from today. Yeah. Um, this game is big for the Bucks and their, their trade line, trade, trade deadline um, impact because let's say the Bucks win. They're, they're sitting at 4-3, and three, right? They're on a two-game win streak. If the Bucks end up winning, that means that I mean the defense has been improved again. I think Jason Light would pull the trigger on some sort of trade. I'm not saying for Patrick Peterson. I'm not staying for for any like star. Just on some sort of trade, maybe like a Carl Joseph, maybe a, a Gary and Conley, something like that. You know, um, to help get them to the playoffs, help push them. Uh, but if they if they don't, I think that like just be maybe like all right, let's just sit, not risk any of our draft picks, stuff like that. So this game's big, but yeah, right now. Right now, there's a lot of rumors going on. Probably half of them are true, but none of them involve the Bucks right now. Okay. All right. Well, back on Bucks ball. We'll talk about the trade deadline a little bit more next week, as you said. It'll be the day before the deadline, so I'm sure we'll have some developments there. But last thing I want to talk about before we wrap this thing up is something that's been weighing heavy on my mind since the game on Sunday. I was so excited when I saw it happen, because when I saw it happen... There was something in me that told me I'm not going to have to see people bitching about this anymore. And, and it's not the virus and threat protection pop-up I just had. 
It's the fact that Ronald Jones uh, got his first career uh, touchdown as go. a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And it is about damn time. He got his first career touchdown. He's showing some good signs. Pretty much the more I see him. Um, and he's really gotten the hang out of receiving mm-hmm. into the backfield. And that's something that I wanted can to catch talk the ball. about. Yep. Yeah, he can finally catch a football. He can finally catch a football and run with it. That's exactly the use that, uh, I mean, he is pristine for. And if he can yeah. just keep doing that and getting better at it, not only is but, he another target for Jameis, but he's a rookie that I'm not going to have to read about being a bust anymore because I'm so over it. Well, I mean, yeah, he's still got work to do. I mean, he's still got but work to do. But He's coming around. I don't, I don't understand his coaching staff. It's another – how do you play Jaquiz Rogers in right. overtime more than Peyton Barber and Roger? You didn't play Peyton Barber at all, which sounds like Peyton Barber may have an injury. But yeah. how do you not play Ronald Jones in overtime? Give the kid the ball. I mean, right. you invested a second-round pick in him. He's like 22 years old. He needs the touches. And you're handed off to 29-year-old Jaquiz Rogers, who is on, is going to be gone next year. Like, come on. Quiz has got to get those carries in. <laughs> oh, yeah, fantasy stats. I mean, there, there's a lot of fantasy owners for him. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a good solid 78% of fantasy owners that have Jaquiz Rogers on there. I mean, he's a last if any, option. If, if anybody has him on there, I'll, I'd be shocked. <laughs> I don't know, man. But Rojo, he's he's coming around, and I'm hoping to see a little bit more of him. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, or Google Play Music. You can follow my new Instagram account at BiasBuckFan. You can follow Evan on Instagram at BucksWave, as well as on Twitter. And you can follow the show on Instagram at CanonFirePodcast. Check out our partners at PewterReport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game. And check out our sponsors at CoolTowel.com. I am signing, uh, I am Rhett, excuse me, signing off for Evan. And we'll see you next time. Remember that the Eagles suck and the Bucks don't. Yeah, the Eagles did blow a 17-point lead. Yes, they did. Against the Panthers. Really hoping the Panthers would have won that game, but that's all right. The Eagles still suck. We'll see you guys next week. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.